0: Hey, well, it's great to be back with all of you young adults. This is our fourth week in our Kingdom Values series, and this is our very first mission night that we are doing together. Now, mission night is all about how do we live as missionaries? That's the identity we're living out of missionaries together. And so usually our mission nights will not be focused on a teaching or on discussion, but they're gonna default towards action. But because we're kind of, like I said in that first week, we're, we're moving kind of towards where we wanna go this year, but this is kind of a vision series outlining the foundation. So tonight we're talking about mission and your activity tonight as a group will be to think through how do we live On mission together how do we have a collective mission I know some of your groups have been working on that already some of you are are still starting and figuring that out so I hope that you'll enjoy tonight's teaching It's our friend Sarah who's doing it she oversees our young adult group missions and uh, if you're a missions coordinator in a group hopefully you've connected with Sarah before if not she will get in touch with you and just support your group as you live on mission together so I hope you enjoy uh, this week and the activity afterwards see ya
1: (laughs) I'm Sarah O'Toole, and I'm a part of our young adult community. Welcome to week four of our Kingdom Values series. Last week you heard from Esther talk about community, and this week we're going to be talking about something that is so close to my heart, and that's mission. So I would love to start off by just asking you a question. What comes to your mind when you think of the word mission? If someone were to ask you how you're living out the mission that Jesus gave us all in Matthew 28, to go and make disciples, what would you say? Well, my hope for today is to cast a vision for all of us for how Jesus invites us to participate in his mission individually and as a community. And I think it's so important that we understand this because mission is something that's often so confused and ambiguous for a lot of Christians. I know for myself, I had a very specific and limited view of mission for a really long time. So my hope for today is that we would really understand God's heart for mission and how he calls us to participate in it. For us to really understand how we can engage a mission in our own lives, we have to look at what the mission of God is. And I think this is a story that's told all throughout the Bible, that God's mission is to bring his kingdom here on earth so that every living thing would be reconciled back to him. See, as I'm sure you've heard, we were originally created as image bearers of God. And after the fall, his mission became to save us from sin, Satan, hell, and death. So what does that mean for you and me? How can we participate in the big mission that God has for all of humanity? Well, as the hands and feet of Christ, as his vessels here on Earth, Jesus invites us to participate in his mission by leading our own lives on mission. What a life on mission looks like was exemplified throughout the life of Christ and was fueled by his love for his Father and for humanity. Jesus came to seek and save the lost and the broken, and he did this by praying, going, laying down his life, and commissioning his apostles to do the same. Jesus' mission was then carried out through his disciples and is now carried out through us today too. So Jesus calls us to carry out this mission by also praying, going, laying down our lives, and commissioning others to do the same. So you might be thinking, that's great, Sarah, but I'm only 21 years old, I'm a student, maybe I have a job at Starbucks, I have no money to go on a missions trip. Well, there's good news. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus tells his disciples, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And as Jesus' disciples in 2020, that's for us as well. Jesus has already sent us into all the places that we're at, the workplaces, the homes, or the towns or cities. Jesus invites us to see us as already sent there to bring his kingdom right there. So I would love to share with you this quote from Kingdom Values. The author is quote Michael Frost, who says, "Sentness is not just for missionaries to foreign lands. The shift is for us all. Students and workers, parents and kids, professionals and laborers, artists and accountants, moms and mechanics, we are all sent into our world. We are given to those we relate to. We are commissioned to our workplace. We are placed in our streets. When our imaginations grasp our sentness, our lives take on a whole new dangerous meaning. As G.A. Sutter Kennedy has said, nobody worries about Christ as long as he's kept shut up in churches. But there's always trouble if you try to let him out. Jesus is not made for staying in churches, and neither are we. I love this quote because it really breaks down the false narrative that only some people are called to participate in God's mission. You might usually think of pastors or uh, door to door evangelists or foreign missionaries. I think it also breaks down that false narrative that once we accept our sentness, once we take on the call of Matthew 28, We sometimes feel like we have to abandon our old life. We have to abandon our friends, our family, or our workplace and go and do missions somewhere else. But no, this quote actually shows us the truth that God calls us to see ourselves as sent right where we were when he called us until he calls us somewhere else. So with all this talk about being sent, the question is, where am I sent to? Well, God sends us to people, places, and positions. God will often send us to a particular group of people. And this is often in our local context. The gospel often spreads when people really accept their sentness in their homes, their families, or their workplaces. And God also sends us to particular places. There are so many examples of biblical and church history where men and women were called to spread the gospel across nation borders. You can think of the life of Jonah or the life of Paul, but people have also been called to spread the gospel locally. For example, when Jesus was commissioning out his disciples, he told them to start locally in Jerusalem. God also sends us to particular positions. Uh, We can look at examples of this all throughout the Bible as well. For example, the life of Esther. She was positioned in the royal family to save the Israelite people from a genocide. Or the life of Paul. God used his position in prison to spread the gospel and to write a ton of the New Testament. So whatever position you're in, God can use it. So you may be thinking, okay, cool, Sarah, I've accepted that I'm sent to my house, to my family or to my workplace, but what do I actually do? How can I engage in mission in that place? Well, well, let's look at Luke chapter 10 verses one to two. So Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field ask the lord of the harvest first jesus invites us to pray for his mission to pray for the workers and to pray for the harvest so there are four ways that we can join god by praying for his mission we can pray for awareness we can pray for faith we can pray for release and we can pray for readiness so first we need to pray for awareness ask the lord that he would show you where the harvest is around you whether it's among your family members or in your town and second we need to pray for faith Ask the Lord to give you the faith that the harvest actually is plentiful. I know for myself, this is a prayer that I need to pray often because it can be really easy to buy into the lie that none of your friends who don't know Jesus want to meet him or that your work isn't actually going to do anything among your family or that your evangelism just isn't going to go anywhere. But the scripture tells us the opposite. It tells us the problem isn't that the harvest isn't ready, but that there aren't enough willing laborers. So let's step up and let's be that willing laborer and let's pray for God to really show us where that ready harvest is. Third, pray for release. Give the harvest back up to God. Verse two tells us that this is his harvest, not our own. So release control over how you want God to move and also release that anxiety that it's up to you to say the perfect words when you're talking to someone about Jesus or that you need to be at the perfect place, the perfect time and just Allow God to remind you that this is his harvest, it's his work, and you simply get to participate in it. Finally, pray for readiness. Know that when you say, here I am, send me, when the Lord asks, whom shall I send? He will use you. He will call upon you to share his gospel at a particular place or a particular time. This might look like calling up a friend you haven't talked to in two months and seeing if they want to go for lunch, or it could look like asking someone if you could pray with them when you just met them. After we have prayed, we are sent to actually go. So let's go back to Luke chapter 10 and work through verses 3 to 9. So Jesus continues. He says, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So in this text, Jesus explains four things that we are to do when we go. We are to pray, to eat, to meet the needs of, and to share the news of his kingdom come. First, as we see in verses five to six, we are to pray a blessing over the place or the person that we've encountered. This could look like interceding for your workplace or for your friends, asking God that he would move and prepare the way for you. We then follow Jesus's second command in verses seven to eight, which is to eat with. Jesus's whole life and ministry was marked by eating and drinking with sinners. And we're actually called to do this too. So you might not have thought of going to McDonald's with your friends who aren't Christian as a calling, but it actually is. So yes, that means you can eat a junior chicken and do God's work at the same time. In verse 9, as we begin to enter into a person's life, as we begin to form deep relationships, Jesus invites us to meet their felt needs with his power. We see this in the life of Jesus and the disciples. Jesus empowered them by the Holy Spirit to perform miracles and good works that would show the power of the gospel and this could look anything like healing the sick and casting out demons, but it also looked like meeting practical needs like feeding the hungry or giving water to the thirsty. And Jesus calls us to do the same. Finally, also commanded in verse nine, Jesus calls us to proclaim the good news of who he is in his kingdom that has come. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, Paul says, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So our demonstration of God's love and his power should also be accompanied by an explanation of who Jesus is. And this can look anything like having a conversation with your friend about what Christ has done in your life, about what he means to you and about who he is. Or it could look like inviting them to something like an alpha course where they can explore that for themselves. But whatever it is, as Christians, we are called to share the news of Christ with others. So being sent out into the harvest not only involves evangelizing and partaking in God's mission that way, but it also involves making disciples. This means teaching people how to follow Jesus and sending them out to participate in God's mission the same way that Jesus has sent you. Before Jesus descended into heaven, he gave the Great Commission to his disciples. So let's jump into Matthew 28 and read that out. So Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus didn't only want his disciples to evangelize to people and then leave. He wanted them to make disciples that would make disciples so that everyone could hear the good news of Christ. So part of our going actually looks like discipleship of other Christians. So with all this talk of discipleship, I would love to ask you, who in your life are you intentionally discipling? If no names come to mind, that might be because maybe you're not intentionally discipling anyone. But this is so important because often when we're not intentional about it, discipleship doesn't happen. If you don't know where to start, think about your friendships that you formed in your young adult group. You don't have to be 20 years older or way more mature to engage in discipleship with someone. It can look like inviting them to do a Bible plan with you, or asking if you'd like to pray together once a week and confess sin with one another, or maybe asking if they'd like to be an accountability partner for practicing spiritual disciplines such as the Sabbath. For myself, it recently looked like starting a Tuesday night Zoom hangout with some friends who aren't in Christian community yet, and going through some books of the New Testament just in a casual environment. So it's also important to talk about laying down our lives for God's mission and what that actually looks like. We need to look at our schedules and think, am I really stewarding my time and energy in a way that shows that I am laying down my life for God and his mission. And this doesn't look like adding a volunteer event or something on top of your already packed to do list, but rather when our whole lives are a sacrifice, when we look at our lives through a kingdom first mindset, it makes meaning and purpose of all things that we do. It brings kingdom purpose to our Monday morning work to our tuesday evening grocery shop or to our weekend hangout with our friends who don't know jesus so we can ask ourselves a few questions when we're looking at our life from a kingdom first mindset first who in your life are you actively praying for salvation for second who in your life are you intentionally positioning yourself to eat with to meet the needs of and to talk about jesus with and third How are you stewarding your time, energy, and money towards an initiative or an organization in your community that seeks to bring God's kingdom there? If these questions are difficult for you to answer, I would encourage you to pray and ask the Lord to show you places, people, and positions that he has placed you into to do these things. So we've talked about what God's mission is, how we're called to engage in it, and how we can do this by praying, going, laying down our lives, and commissioning others to do the same. By making missional disciples, we have discussed that going looks like praying a blessing over any place we enter, eating with people, meeting their needs, and talking about Jesus with them. So I would encourage you to reflect on Luke chapter 10. Ask the Lord to show you what places, positions, people He has positioned you in to participate in His kingdom work. God is always calling people to participate in his work, so don't feel discouraged if this is something that's challenging or intimidating for you, but just really ask the Lord to give you a passion for the lost and the broken, and that he would align your heart with the heart of Jesus for God's mission. I would also encourage you to think about how God is calling you to participate in mission as a community. Our vision for all young adult groups is that they would each have an intentional way that they participate in mission. This could look like having a party or a games night with the same friends who don't know Jesus every mission night, or it could look like picking one person's neighborhood or building and praying for their neighbors and meeting with them and eating with them. Whatever it is, our prayer is that you would find a way to live intentionally on mission so that others would come to know Christ through your community. As one author said, people are often attracted to Christian communities before they're attracted to the Christian message. So let's invite people to experience that. Well, I'm so excited for you and your young adult community as you really dive into the mission that God has called you into. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for how much you love us, God, that your whole mission is to redeem us and to just restore us back to yourself. Lord, I thank you that you allow us to participate in your mission. God, what a blessing, what a privilege. Father, I pray that you would just rip off any anxiety, any fear, any doubt about evangelism and mission, and Lord, that you would speak to each of us individually and as a community on how you've positioned us to bring your kingdom here. God, I pray that you would just ignite a passion across our young adult ministry, Lord, that people would just rise up as laborers of your harvest, God, that we would get excited about doing your work. And Father, I just thank you for the way that you've reshaped our mind about what your mission is and how we can play a part in it. God, we love you, we praise you in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Man, well, I so appreciated that word from Sarah and I'm always challenged when I learn about mission because it makes me think about my own life and how I'm living and if I'm living with intentionality. And I think it's, when we think about mission, it's less about, you know, being busier, but it's more about just being more intentional with how we live. So as a group now, as you move into your activity time, I hope that you can think about what would it look like for our group to have this collective mission that we are moving towards together. And it's not about like doing way more things, but it's about taking the things that are already in our lives and just viewing them through a bit more of a missionary lens. So I hope you have a great time in discussion And uh, next week, we're going to be on our very last week of this Kingdom Value series. It's um, uh, Growth Night, and Pastor Nick, uh, our youth pastor at Sanctus, is going to be sharing the word. So can't wait to see you then.